Therapist Uncensored brings you decades of experience with interpersonal psychotherapy, relational neuroscience, modern attachment, and anything else they think will be helpful in healing humans. Now, here are your co-hosts, Dr. Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. Hey, everybody. Ann Kelly here. As you may have noticed, Sue and I have been taking some time to catch up with ourselves. And during this time, we've had the opportunity to really reflect on where we are and where we'd like to go. You know, sometimes you just have to get out of the weeds to see the path. And that's what we've been doing. And it's been really effective. And during this time, we've been able to share some of your favorite episodes again for rediscovery. This content is such that often it takes a few times through to sort of really be able to grasp it, to be able to apply it to your everyday lives. So with our pause, though, we are excited to say that we're both rejuvenated and resourced, and we will be launching season six, November 2nd. So in the meantime, we're going to bring back the three episodes that are most requested, episodes 59, 60, and 61, because those are our core episodes around the different attachment styles. And we think this is a really good jumping off point where as we continue in our new season to revise and update our working theories, it'll be great for everyone to have just have it really refreshed in their minds. And a total side note, it's with a great coincidence that these three episodes will be actually 159, 160, and 161 could not have landed better. So it's de- I take this definitely as a sign that it's a perfect way to jump off our new Therapist Uncensored season and year. Mark your calendars for November 2nd for our brand spanking new content and guest. And there are also other changes to be announced at that time. All right, let's jump in. Hey, everybody. I'm Sue Marriott. And I'm Ann Kelly. And today we are going to continue our trend that we've been trending lately to talk about attachment specifically. Adult attachment, even. Adult attachment. And really what we've been doing, because we talked about attachment in episode 59. We talked about a category of attachment of preoccupied. No, actually 59 was dismissive. And then 60, we talked about the adult attachment of preoccupied or anxious attachment. And our listeners are finding that really helpful. And so we've decided to add a third one. So now we're going to have a chunk, a little organized chunk of the need to know about attachment. That's right. So that, that way when we're on episode 250, say. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, and someone just finds us that always people can reference back to 59, 60, and 61, those episodes. And this today's is going to be 61 to get the need to know and the gist. The other thing, just very briefly, is we do have this video that is really cool. It's about 14 minutes. And if you haven't seen it yet, check it out because that will also be a great need to know. And it's fun. You're going to have a fun time watching it. I think it's fast moving and we cover a lot. So in three lines or less, Sue, here's your challenge for the first time listener. (laughs) Challenge? Isn't it kind of early for that? We just got going. For For the first time listener that this is their very first podcast in three lines or less, what do we mean by attachment? So it's a very deep, well-established body of research that we are wanting to help people understand. And the general gist of it is that we, from a very young age, based on our early experiences, before our brain is very developed, we, because uh, neuroscience is incorporated into this, we basically develop a map. It's basically our software and our hardware. And it basically guides how we see and experience ourselves 
And then also what we anticipate from the world. Our brain is an anticipation machine and it will color what we expect to happen, which then ends up, we end up playing it out because we just assume that that thing is going to happen, whether it be that the world will be kind and responsive or that it won't be. When we can decode that and when we can learn, oh, this is what's actually happening, then it gives us a lot more power over our adult relationships. That's what we're all about. That's what we're interested in helping you find. Was that three sentences? I think there was a few more, but I think you did pretty good. I think that was a (laughs) run-on, a little bit of a run-on sentence. So, yeah, that's no, but I think you did a great job. And what you're saying, ah, that in other words, we are acting out on our attachment system all the time, but most of the time we're unaware and we just think it's the world acting on us. And so the more you understand it, the better. And it, like you, I love you said, hardware, software, because it really actually affects the way our whole body functions, including the stress level and how much cortisol gets thrown through our body when we're in a stress response. That's right. And so if we have a healthy, what we're calling a healthy attachment system, it's a healthy regulation system. But if you're listening to this, you might be interested, not just when we are healthy in this way, but sometimes when we (laughs) have challenges, right? So episode 59, we covered what we're calling the blue side of the spectrum, which is the dismissive attachment. And then episode 60, we did the red side, the right side of the spectrum, which is preoccupied attachment. And then today we are going to delve into when we don't have an organized system. So we need to cover a few things about that. So when you say we don't have a disorganized system, why don't we start helping people understand what we mean by that in terms of how that develops as a child, as an infant? Well, basically, if the world is predictable and reliable, because I don't want to do the whole thing all over again, right? But if the, if the world is predictable and reliable, we develop an organized system of relating. Which we mean is predictable. Like we kind of know what to anticipate. That's right. We know how to respond to get out, to get what we need to take care of ourselves. So it becomes predictable. It's predictable. And you can find, again, this research follows kids from infancy through adulthood. So these are things that once this gets set... It's very persistent. It is changeable, and we've talked about that before too, but it's also very persistent. So what we want to do is help you become aware that these are organized systems. You can be secure. That's an organized model. And you're going to hear a word, internal working model. What that is, is basically that's your map and that's your organized system. If you have been familiar with the podcast and you've heard about our buckets, we have, it's kind of where you land. So you can land and just generally see the world in a, from a secure state. Basically, it's when you're grounded, you can think, you can empathize. It's all the goods. It's our best self. Basically. You expect the world is to be loving and to take care of you. And you kind of have it, I guess what I would say is you have a deep level of trust where you're supposed to. And you're aware yeah, you, when you, you're not supposed to. You expect people to take care of you. You have right. a little bit of a healthy entitlement. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, so what that does is it makes it easier for you to ask for help and to share your inner thoughts and to both be on your own, but also be able to be close with other people. And so that becomes predictable. And that was that we, we spoke specifically about the two places which become insecure. They're still predictable in the way we respond, but dismissive and preoccupied are still organized because they're a predictable way. But today, that's not always how it goes. So think about like your GPS, right? When you type it in, you actually get a route, And that route will then direct you. So that route is a pathway. The pathway can be insecure avoidance, where we're a little bit more zipped up, insecure preoccupied, where that we're kind of more on the ceiling and much more affectively oriented. But the one that we're going to focus on today, that's all the summary you're going to get. So hang with us here. The one that we're going to focus on today, though, is if you were to try to type in your destination on the GPS, it would come back as 
it wouldn't give you a good does answer. not compute yes it might drive you into a lake or something you know <laughs> or up on a hill or someplace that uh, in other words it's not organized in your system so that you can call it up and when the research that when this originally happened they only they didn't have this category and what ended up happening is these some of these kids didn't fit so they went ahead and with some debate but ultimately everybody agreed to add this fourth category which is disorganized and what that means another way of saying it is instead of having a coherent map an organized way of expecting yourself to be in the world and expecting others to be you don't have a coherent internal working model so you're going to be much more all over the map. You're going to be zigging and zagging. And one of the reasons that is, is that in infancy, when we're turning to a parent to keep us safe, the parent or the caregiver is the only mode to make you be able to survive and to keep safe. So you have to be able to rely on it. And when a parent or a caregiver, for whatever reason, can be all sorts of different reasons, can't provide that and is actually the one who can actually create a threat in your body. So if you get startled, you get scared, your natural instinct should turn to somebody to care for you and take care of you. But when you turn towards a caregiver that them themselves are threatening or scary, it disorganizes your system because you know that you are not able to take care of yourself. You're aware of that as an infant. And if the world can't take care of you, what do you do? And so that you can imagine sort of does not compute how do you handle that? And that's where uh, the base of disorganization happens. Right. There's a term, fear without solution. So your caregiver is your source of comfort, but then they're also the source of fright, obviously. Or this is also associated with traumatic loss. You had a quote earlier. What was that quote that you mentioned? Oh, uh, well, well, just talking about attachment in general, a researcher out of Harvard Medical School, which is Lyons Ruth, has the quote that I love, that the attachment system is the psychological version of the immune system. It's great. It's, it's really what keeps us being able to know how to keep ourselves healthy. It regulates even the stress hormone inside of us. So it helps us prepare. So it's interesting because that same researcher worked with Debbie Jacobitz as well. And I think they're the ones that are attributed that Mary Main ended up picking up the term fear without a solution. Basically, there's no unified strategy. There's no coherent model of what to predict of yourself or of others. And that overwhelms, you can imagine, just to kind of bring it down, that that would overwhelm the infant's body. And to be able to not have something to rely on to bring your stress down, then the whole body is experiencing stress on an unresolved level. It's going to impact every part of your system, how you take in information, how you self-soothe. And if you can't develop those skills through infancy and as you grow, your body literally doesn't have the capacity. That's right. Because when we're born, we're just all amygdala, <laughs> right? <laughs> and like we don't, our amygdala is our cortex. That's all we know. So we're dependent on our caregiver's higher mind. And part of this, that's, a lot of these kids that end up in this disorganized category are actually maltreated. This is where when you actually have child abuse, persistent child abuse, unresolved child abuse, you know, then you will often land in this category. But it's also not just a lot of these parents, they're not bad parents, but they've had trauma themselves, and they've had unresolved loss themselves. And so if you're listening to this, and you've had a very difficult history, and you're a parent, like don't like even that you're seeking out this kind of information is already a really good sign that you're working to kind of get a much deeper and co we keep using the word coherent. Can you say what coherent means? 
coherent means something that makes sense. Yes. Something that you can, can you can rely on. And right. it puts it in, oh, okay, this is an organized way. I get that this person's threatening, and that's why my body's stressed out. That's right. So an example of incoherence would be somebody's very soft and caring, but our body is all, it's not coherent. Our body's completely stressed out. They don't match. That's right. So a lot of these parents, if you were to ask them on a quiz how to parent... They will get all the answers correct. They know, but then they get triggered or they fall. You know, I think of it as like a wood floor and, you know, all of a sudden there's rotten wood under there and you just fall right through the floor. But you're not a bad person. It's just that you lose capacity for a moment. That's the way that we want to begin to talk about this, that we all go into disorganized states in a moment. So we're making a distinction again. There's the category of disorganization and our model is that So we might, like, you know, if you have a snow globe or something, like, it might trend in a particular direction, usually, right? Like, we might shift, we might might kind of lean preoccupied, or lean avoidant, or lean secure, but then things happen, and then we can get all stirred up, like the snow globe. (laughs) And when you start out secure, that dysregulation gets resolved much more quickly. But when you don't already have a good floor, and you're falling through the floor, then that's a much scarier state. And so when you are trying to raise a child, that's also a scary state for them. So a lot of these kids have had a lot of fright in their life. They have been in danger. So if you're a parent and you're worried about this, I'm just, I want to reassure you that there's nothing more paranoid inducing than reading about attachment as a parent. That's just a rule. (laughs) So don't worry too much. But at the same time, we are going to encourage you. This is you're already trying to develop more coherence and have your story make sense. Like I came from here. This is why I do this. And this is what I want to do. That's an example of a coherent arc. So it doesn't mean bad things didn't happen to us. It just means that we've made sense of them. Yeah. So I think to kind of get a visualization maybe of what we're talking about is that, and I love how you put it a little bit earlier, Sue, and that is that we all have pockets of disorganization and it can be related to specific difficulties we experience as a child or trauma. And so you're going to recognize a little bit of this in most of you because something's going to happen and we're not going to have a coherent response and it's not going to make sense. Like what, what just happened to me? Yeah, I've lost my mind. For I've lost my mind. And that's a natural state that we fall into that. But depending, if we have a more organized structure, even though we go through moments of that, we're going to kind of land again in a more predictable way. And then we're going to try to make sense of that story. Oh my God, I lost my head, but I can kind of make sense of that, if, especially if I look at it. But what I think you're saying with disorganized, your whole system shakes much more easily and is really hard to settle down and often doesn't have a baseline to settle in. So an example of this where that you see in adult life is that, you know, when we've had the floor that gets fall, fallen out behind. And like, in other words, if you haven't had a secure history, you may have been affected by exploration might be hard, like differentiation and, and knowing yourself in opposition to someone. I think what you mean by that is that to explore the world, to go away from somebody. Yes. That, that, that might be challenging. That, that may difficult. be challenging because as a child, that maybe not have been supported. That was a threat. And That's so then right. you may get anxious trying to do that. Right. Or the other side of that is attachment seeking might be a thing. So in other words, I can explore all day long, but you're going to interrupt me if if you come in and I'm in my, you know, learning my new hobby or playing my guitar. So basically the idea here is that when we shift those states more rapidly and it's hard for us to have that coherence, then like it could be 
I'm all bad. And then my next moment, you're all bad, right? And then it might go back to, no, I'm all bad, right? Like that's a disorganized state. And so if we can even begin to just identify, oh, wait, I'm spinning. That's, mm. a, that's a word that I use. Like I'm, my, I'm spinning a little bit here. And I, I just need to, you know, put a stick in the spoke and stop spinning. And at least like, let me figure out what I do know. Because, you know, if I'm all bad or you're all bad, you know, if it's going back, if there's a hot potato going back and forth, um, mm-hmm. that is not going to get us anywhere. And if I think you're bad, you're not going to be very helpful. And if I'm beating myself up, that's not very helpful for anybody either. So what I'm saying is that even beginning to identify in your own body and in your own mind, when you begin to spin and lose coherence and lose your thinking and lose your capacity for both empathy for yourself, but also empathy interpersonally and and empathy for the person sitting across from you. So you're trying to help the listeners understand how to recognize a disorganized state inside yourself. And so if you're reacting and you're engaged in something and it doesn't make sense and you can feel it and you can't get it under control, you might be finding yourself in a disorganized state. And if you are, that isn't the place or the time to try to resolve something. (laughs) Or to make big decisions or or anything like that. Step away from (laughs) a big decision. Don't sign a contract (laughs) or sell a house or anything like that. But we're also trying to help you understand that these things happen. Yes. And one of the ways that you might want to do is to pull back and go, why did I get so disorganized? And there may be a pocket of trauma, a pocket of, let's say, as a child, when you became upset and dysregulated, maybe what happened to you as a child is that then your caregiver became upset and dysregulated. And so it wasn't a safe thing to get upset. And so every time you got upset, your parent gets disorganized and upset. That's a threatening state. And now you've got that match in your body. So if you start getting upset as an adult, you might then be anticipating in someone else that they're going to get dysregulated. So that's a threatened response. It's a great example, Anne, because it's also one of these ones where I can't go to you because of what I'm feeling and I'm not anticipating, and I remember the internal working model, I'm not anticipating you're going to be able to be helpful, but I also can't not feel what I'm feeling. So that's that break and accelerator at the same time. Yeah. You feel the threat, but you have no idea what to do. Yes. You don't feel that there's any, if you can feel, I don't have any viable solutions. What was the quote you were saying earlier about it? Threat without solution. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm all upset. There's no solution. There's no solution. That's going to inherently create panic and it should. Right. And that's a good, another good word. Words associated with this kind of state of mind are things like terror. It's not just like, I'm a little wound up. It's I'm terrified. I'm um, panicking. I'm Mm -hmm. really frightened. Or even I can become very frightening. I can lose my humanity for a moment. Um, Act in ways that you don't recognize yourself. That's exactly right. And if we can, all of those things are very human and it's scary being in relationships (laughs) and it's really scary being a kid. So if you're identifying with any of this, again, just if we could, if we do nothing else, but we could help convey the normalcy of these pockets, it doesn't mean anything terrible about us. We're not even doing parent blaming right now. We're just saying they probably didn't have the resources either. We could run it all the way up the line. But what we are saying is it is important to put the stick in the spoke. In other words, to see like just the thought, oh, I'm spinning or, oh, you know what? I've gotten myself disorganized. Some people call it confused, like very confused, not just a little confused. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I keep doing this. It makes no sense. That's right. So even the thought, oh, I'm disorganized right now, just that already organizes you. 
you naming it. You're sort of getting yourself a story and and kind of normalizing it in a way because we we're trying to say we all get this disorganized. Shame free. This is about the biology and the body, and it's about danger. And we're mm-hmm. going to be more likely to get in these states when we have actually experienced real danger. And again, danger without resolution. And that danger might be physical danger, or it also might be loss. You know, that's a big one is a very big unresolved, you know, early, early losses that don't get worked through. Well, in the early, early losses, and probably the earlier the trauma and the more persistent the trauma, or the more persistent the threat, the more likely that one's body responds in this way on a more frequent ongoing basis. So if this is a place that you know someone or you yourself lives in a lot and you can see that they're very unpredictable, then you might recognize that there's a whole structure in there that's much more disorganized or pockets can happen later, trauma can happen later, or there can be a particular way of engaging that was threatening where you had threat, but no ability to resolve it. And that's predict, you know, kind of consistent. So you have these pockets where you continuously get disorganized. So it's kind of two ways of looking at that. That's right. And that's a really good point that you can actually be securely attached with unresolved trauma or with what they call a use status or in pockets of disorganization, or as you're saying, when it's more severe and pervasive, that those are, there's different words for it, cannot classify and things like that. But so again, even within the disorganized category, even Mary Main had said at some point she wanted to get back and, and organize the disorganized a little, bo- a little more. There's a it's lot of more, there's a lot of research that can be done here. It's a big, big lump related to categories. Patricia Crittenden has done a lot of work, but again, all of it's very compassionate because it's really about these kids were the kids that experienced danger. And the big thing about that is we want to help do two things. One is if you're in a disorganized state, even naming it, that that's already, in other words, just moving from disorganized to organized. Just recognizing that you can be in a state. In fact, and you can even announce it. I feel so out of control and disorganized. I don't know what I'm doing. And if you just name that, it will also help whomever you're with to, to go, okay, let's just calm the whole situation down. That's right. And as a matter of fact, then now we have our thinking on a little better where we can go, no, what just, ha- what, I wonder what scared me. It's like, you want to begin to map the terrain mm-hmm. and like find the bones. <laughs> like, why did I just get so stirred up? And again, this is probably going to be work with a professional. The other ones we've talked about, like there's a lot and all of them, there's a lot you can do. But the more serious, the more pervasive this is, it's definitely going to take close relationships. All of them, any insecure category takes close relationships. You're only going to heal through relationships. You cannot do it through a self-help book or something like that, or just... Holding your, holding your breath, right. <laughs> just um, sit in their own it, room. And- because that's how you rewire. Mm-hmm. But especially with this, the more trauma history that you have or loss that you have, you probably are going to want to be with a professional and really specifically work on, like, for example, a lot of times another thing that's associated with this category is disassociation. Mm-hmm. And that is because that the fright has been so overwhelming. We've had to do some pretty big ways of taking care of ourselves. Can you help listeners understand what that means? What Sure. It's again, everything is on a spectrum. It can be anything from a light trance, like when you're highway hypnosis and like, you're like, yeah, we all dissociate. Yes. You might call that more like a trance where you Mm -hmm. suddenly like, you don't remember getting to the 
house or you miss an exit because your mind is lost. That's a great, like your body's still moving. And if somebody were sitting next to you, they wouldn't even notice. And you can carry but out all these actions. You, and you can, can carry get out off the actions, your... but you can feel there's a beginning to be like a separation, right? What your mind is in one place and your body's doing something else. It's a very mild version of it. With trauma, it's, it can get much, more, much more severe and categorical. So again, that's just a spectrum. But what we want to do is we want to ground. We want to feel secure more often. We want our minds to be more organized. We want to map the terrain. And then the other thing is we do want to develop a more coherent bucket. So even if you go from disorganized to dismissive, right? Like that's actually a really good move. So let's help our listeners understand what I think what you're saying is that if you feel yourself in a more predominantly disorganized way of being, that one of the first things is to recognize that and to recognize, oh my gosh, why is it that I can never predict and that I can't? And to even recognize it, you're saying that you're already organizing something and that likely you're not going to go from that state to all of a sudden feeling secure, but you're going to go from what we call disorganized or unpredictable to at least start recognizing the trauma and connecting to it so that therefore you can start getting some organization around it. Exactly. So for example, let's just bring some examples in. So for example, if you are the client or you're the therapist, that's also a client or however we want to say that, that comes in and it's almost like you're a stranger, right? Like you start each session and it's kind of like, you almost feel like, why are we here? Or, you know what I mean? Like there's lack of continuity between sessions. Like that's an example. And kind of what you're saying there too, Sue, is kind of a lack of sense of self. Lack like, of sense of self like and you, also lack of value of the relationship and, and a way to hold it. So you're kind of going through the world ready to react but you don't necessarily have an organized way of, okay, what am I doing here? What are you doing here? What's this all about? Yeah. And I think the key that you're saying is a sense of yourself, that it's confusing. Yeah. Who am I? And so what we're saying is like, even if you move from experiencing the world more of like, who am I to, oh, okay, I'm aware that I'm acting like you're a stranger. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm forgetting that you're actually, that we've been sitting in therapy now for three years together. So it's a way of avoiding the intimacy like this is just one example. Mm-hmm. And if, and so, or. Because intimacy may feel very threatening. That's if you, right. If intimacy hasn't been a safe thing. Exactly. And you're that trying. That is especially true in this category. You're trying to create intimacy. Just the idea of creating it could be threatening. So you might be sitting in the room and that's where we come back to the dissociativeness. You might be sitting in the room, but not really let yourself be fully present in the relationship. That's right. And the therapy itself can become a source of danger. At least it can feel like a source of danger. Because the relationship can could feel like it, and which partly, is different than it actually being it. And to put that in another way, the reason it could feel like a source is if you have had enough trauma that you don't really think you can rely on the world or trust the world, then the idea of actually forming closeness where you start to get in touch with that again, in touch with the idea that you could be taken care of or you could lose something, that could be very activating in your body. That's right. And so like another technique might be, David Elliott talks about an anchoring scale. And this is a good technique for any of the insecure categories of like, okay, on a scale of one to 10, at any given moment, you could ask yourself different questions. You could say, how much in the present am I versus how lost in the past am I? Just that, like, let me identify myself on the scale or even like how grounded do I feel? Like how organized am I feeling and secure versus how loose or disorganized am I feeling? Like say a 10 is disorganized and one is very clear and 
bright and alert and connected to ourselves. And so even just beginning to scale it, notice that that's building capacity in our minds to organize. Or it might even be, am I focused more on myself, which is, say, down, you know, down, or am I more focused on other people? And I might notice if I ask myself that a lot, that I might tend towards just being self-involved or that I'm tending towards really focusing on someone else. And just by scaling it, it's like, okay, that's where I am. I'm at an eight, Mm -hmm. but I'd really like to drop that a few numbers. So I'm going to, like if 10 is that I'm focused on other people, and in other words, I'm anxious and I'm preoccupied and I'm wondering about So when them. you say at 10, you're focused on other people, you don't mean in this, you mean in this very distracted, anxious way that yes, you keep right. being that preoccupied. Overly, right. That I'm, I'm out, I'm outwardly oriented. And so outwardly oriented, you're not even sort of aware of your own experience that you know, that's a 10. That, that would be, yeah, that would be a higher. Mm-hmm. But with that awareness, it's going to help me like, okay, but how am I doing? How mm-hmm. is this for me? And I'm going to be able to drop that number down. Or, because what you're saying is you're just even letting, it's kind of the way of kind of even getting aware of yourself already is going to drop the number down to say, okay, wait, all I'm thinking about in the last whatever is just this other person, this other person. Okay, how am I doing in the world? And and that's way of doing it is just even asking yourself, how am I doing in the world? And or even, even how is it for me to be this focused on this other person? How is that for me? It's distressing. I don't like it. Okay, now, oh, now here, now we've dropped the number again, right? And the other thing can be true too, right? That like, if I'm completely just not thinking about the other person at all and becoming aware of like, oh, I'm at a two, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm really thinking about my projects and this and that and the other, then even that it's kind of like, oh, wait a minute, there's other people out here that kind of care and that I care about and I want them in my life. So all of the, these are just little anchor scales. And the idea behind this is, again, we're trying to add coherence. We're trying to help you understand yourself at any given moment more clearly. Have compassion for yourself and understanding. With tons of compassion. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's, because notice we're not beating ourselves up. It's just we're noticing mm-hmm. and we're becoming, we're increasing our awareness. We're telling the truth. We're being honest. But then we also are bringing our heart to it. Absolutely. And we hope also that this will help you understand other people in your life. If you're experiencing somebody get in a disorganized state, it's probably not helpful to stand back and look at them like, good no, God safety. almighty, you're just crazy. That it's safety, safety, Right, safety. so you may want to say, hey, what just happened there? And like, I've, you know, and to help somebody find the bases, the more safe somebody feels, the more organized they're going to get. And so looking at somebody like they're crazy and have four heads, probably not going to help them get there. No, um, and it'll be easier to not be threatened by the big feelings right. when we see that their actual, their mind is, and their body is activated from an, impl- an old, something old, right? That it's, it's, a, it's heightened. It's more than it needs to be. And they're needing someone. They need a soft face. They need soft eyes. It's tone of voice. Those are the things that will demonstrate safety it's not putting your hands on your hips and saying you know you're freaking out you know i don't know why you're so worried about me right that's that's actually if you can hear it it's like charlie brown's teacher you can only when the brain is upset like that it can only begin to like safe not safe safe not safe it's not sophisticated and it will hear it'll see your eyes it'll see the movement in your face it'll notice pace tone pitch those are the things that are going to help regulate somebody who's upset. It's not the time to work out problems. It's the time to try to get them back into a place of where that they can begin to trust the world and themselves a little more. 
That's a really great point. I really love those suggestions. And that those are all about like earning security, right? The security doesn't come naturally, but we're going to work like heck. <laughs> and I, you know, and we still have to make our t-shirts, you know, <laughs> about our earned security t-shirts. Those are coming, I swear. Well, and I think to think about, we've talked about that we all go through states and we get there. We've talked about that some people based on their history might have a bigger bucket that kind of experience their world through the disorganized way in a much more predominant way. And another thing to think about too, is that some of our more difficult personalities out there in the listening world, things like borderline personalities, dissociative disorders, if you could think of them also in the trauma, PTSD, if you think of it more in the context of an attachment base, it could really help you understand those kind of behaviors and the disorganization that happens. Yeah, you actually bring up another really important point that I definitely wanted to get to before we wrap up, which is that if you, again, are know that you are someone that gets disorganized at times and you know that you have trauma, basically the trend right now is that you don't even have to work yet on the trauma, right? That you first work on the attachment. And basically to boil it down, if you've had trauma, the number one thing is to begin to build relationships. That will be working on your trauma. You first work on the attachment. Ooh. And what that means is you... With a safe person. With, of course. With, yeah. yeah, definitely with a safe person, whether that be your partner. It doesn't matter who. And again, the more skilled and trained, you know, that's what that helps. But that again, you have to do it through relationships. And what I'm, I guess my main thing, I'm taking a long time to get to this point, is that you don't have to go right for the trauma. And as a matter of fact, what some research shows is you might never have to go directly to the specific traumas if you do really good attachment work and you begin to learn to turn to people, to share your inner thoughts, to make sense of your life history, to take them in as a person who is thinking of you like for you in their mind, in your own mind, to be able to see yourself in their mind and in their heart. That's what I mean by really building relationships. And so that's cool that you can heal trauma just by working on the attachment system. That can be such a relief to some people out there because I think sometimes people don't even want to seek therapy because they feel like, oh my God, I have no interest in talking about. And I think there's that traditional view, like to get through something, you're going to have to lay down and start from your childhood and move up. And it can create anxiety to like, I don't want to go re-experience that. Are you kidding me? Like, I would just rather live in my world than go back and relive and retalk about these things. So what you're saying is so hopeful. You don't necessarily have to do that. In That's right. Models. And it might be that if you do really good attachment work and, you want to and that. that you have the earned security, then now you have a base that if that some of those traumas are still intruding in your life, then you're going to have a much better chance of getting to them and resolving them. And that certainly is part of earning security is being able to do that. And wanting to. But we want to yeah. do it in that order, typically. Mm-hmm. So don't not seek something out. Just the thought, oh my gosh, to get secure, I'm going to have to go through all that because That's that right. isn't the case. I love that point. And I want to say one more thing, and that is we've used this word some already, but it's about coherence because this is – it's another kind of guiding principle of organization and getting organized. And we throw it around a lot, but basically the gist of it is if you're somebody who loses people by talking too much, then your work is to begin to really pay attention to what you want to say and to give it to them in small chunks and feel it and make sure that it's received, right? That's coherence. And then you can also not have coherence. This is, again, this is all straight from the research. You can not have coherence by not elaborating and not saying much, just saying, fine, 
nothing. You're not letting the other person know you and nobody can take you in if you're not giving them handles. <laughs> so the idea of coherence is that we say enough so that we fill ourselves out, but at the same time, we're not blasting somebody with so much information that we lose them. So you're able to both share your experience, but you're also aware of your effect on your listener. So you're being very coherent to other people. You're coherent to, to yourself, yourself and, and other, other people. people. So if you're losing people a lot, it would be really easy for you to recognize what is it? Am I that's right? Am I and sharing to play, too much, or am I that's right? Instead, expecting somebody to be inside my head and surprised that they're not. And why I love mentioning that again is it's a it's a can do. I can go work on that. I mean, you might probably find yourself. Are you an over talker, <laughs> or are people say, "God, they just it's like pulling teeth. I can't get you to say anything." And in either one of those are probably not it, it signs that you're not really in a secure place. Exactly. Exactly. Or an organized place. Right. A secure place is where that you're able to freely share and you want to freely share, but also that you're aware when of turn taking and also your effect on your listener. So hopefully these anchoring scales, working on your coherence, working on turning to real people and, you know, building those relationships. These are all kind of the practical steps and what you can do with this material. All right. Those are great suggestions, Sue. And our goal here is to help people recognize themselves, recognize other people, and really a message of hope that once you recognize yourself, that really gives you ideas about how to move and help yourself develop more insecurity. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you did, pass it on to somebody you know that might really benefit from it. That's our goal at Therapist Uncensored, and that is to spread security one episode at a time. Another way you can help us do that is if you take some time to rate and review us. That always helps other people find us as well. Just a reminder again, we will see you November 2nd for our season six jump off. Until then, I'll see you around the bit. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is edited by Jack Anderson. 